Well, thank you for coming out for our Christmas Eve service. We've been in a series this Christmas season on the subject of angels, and we've learned a lot already about who they are. They are powerful beings. They're not God. They're not us. They're somewhere in between. And throughout the Bible, the Bible tells us the story of angels. But there have been two verses in our series that we've looked at to help us understand what exactly angels do. In the 103rd Psalm, in the 20th verse, the psalmist says, praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. So when you think about the angels, start there. They are around God, listening for each of his commands, and they carry out his plans. But then when we open the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, it gets very personal because the Bible says the angels are only spirit messengers sent out to help and care for those who receive his salvation. That's where we get the idea of guardian angels because indeed the angels are messengers, spirit messengers that God sends to help those who are going to receive his salvation. What really excites me when I study the subject of angels in the Bible is scripture says there are millions of angels. You know, when we see artwork depicting heaven, you know, oftentimes there are like a few angels, maybe five or 10, and yet the Bible says there are millions. And as if that's not enough, the scripture goes on to say many millions of angels. And so throughout the Bible, you can read their stories. But there is one special place where the action of angels really stands out. And it goes right to the heart of what we're celebrating because it was the night that Jesus was born. Oh, by the way, that night when Jesus was born and the angels sang, it wasn't the first time that angels had shown up that season. In last week's message, we saw how the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah to foretell the birth of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And then Gabriel showed up again to talk to Mary, a virgin who had never been with a man, and yet the angel came to tell her that she was favored of God above all women, that God was with her and she was going to have a baby. And then later on, when Joseph, now recognizing that his fiance is pregnant and not understanding, when he's just about to ditch her and end the engagement, the angel Gabriel shows up and says to Joseph, don't be afraid to marry Mary because this is all part of God's plan. So angels have been around in all the months preceding the birth of Jesus. They've been talking to the main players, but on the night that Jesus was born, things got very special. I'm going to read to you what are probably familiar words, whether you grew up in church or watched the Peanuts special through the years on television. But in Luke chapter two, the Bible says this about the night Jesus was born. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Well, I really hope God kept this on videotape because I want to watch it when I get to heaven. Because up till now, it's been one angel showing up 
in the middle of the night to shepherds who were out in the fields watching their sheep. But what happened next is intriguing because the Bible says suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. Now, in the Bible, when you read the term multitude, it means a crowd so big that it can't be numbered. So there's one angel, and now all of a sudden there are countless angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Well, until we get to heaven, it's impossible to know what really happened. But I always imagine it went something like this. There was one angel who was designated, permitted to leave heaven to make the announcement. Up in heaven, I get this idea of all the other angels like sitting on the edge of their seat, wishing they could be part of this celebration. But after all, it's just to shepherds. It's just to a group of little guys outside of the city of Bethlehem. One angel saw this needed. The other angels, though, are leaning over. And finally, God probably said, okay, guys, go ahead. Do what you feel like doing. And that's how the sky exploded that night. You know, it's enough to say that no magnificent display has ever rivaled that, <laughs> that wonderful explosion of glory that happened that the shepherds saw. No fireworks show, no opening ceremony of the Olympics, nothing at Disney World, no Times Square New Year's celebration, no air show, no halftime at the Super Bowl ever could compare to what happened on the night that Jesus was born. Heaven exploded and the angels paraded. It's no wonder we focus our attention on that part of the Christmas story. Whether you get Christmas cards, there are oftentimes depictions of angels before the shepherds on those Christmas cards. Or if you listen to music, Christmas music is often about that night when the angels appeared. It's in the movies. All my life, I've imagined how awesome that place must have been. It must have been a glorious and magnificent celebration. As I said, bigger than any celebration the world has ever seen before. But after all of my imagination through the years of how grandiose that must have been, something happened in my life last June that made me rethink things. I was a guest of the nation of Israel, uh, and the, the, the leaders of Israel wanted to introduce me and Mary Alice to the nation of Israel. And on the first day we were there, we left Jerusalem and we went south of town to meet the mayor of Ephrat. Now, that name may sound similar to you if you're a Bible student because Micah had said 500 years before Jesus was born that he would be born in Bethlehem of Ephrata. Well, Ephrat is a city that is in a settlement just south of Bethlehem. So as I was being hosted by the Israeli government, we were taken through the hills outside of Bethlehem on our way to Ephrat. And I remember looking out my window at those hills and thinking about all the songs I'd heard about the night that the angels sang and the Christmas cards and the movies. And I looked at the hills and said, wow, these are the hills where the shepherds were and the angels sang. There was one word that came to my mind as I looked at those hills. And that word was ordinary. They were just ordinary looking hills. If the Flint Hills had trees, It would look like the Flint Hills. My family all comes from what's called the hill country of Texas in the central part of the state. And as I looked at those hills outside of Bethlehem, it looked just like the hills in South Texas. How about that? 
That's where the angels paraded that night. They, they didn't explode in the sky over a temple or over a palace, just very ordinary looking hills. But that's nothing. They paraded for shepherds, for shepherds. Well, the shepherds were kind of considered the lowest of the low. When the Magi came, where did they go? They didn't go to the hills to see the shepherds. They went to the palace to talk to the king. But when the angels paraded, it was for shepherds. The shepherds would be the last group you would expect. They were untrained, despised, poor. And because, especially at this time of the year, they couldn't bathe regularly, they weren't even allowed in the temple. Now, as we move away from that story briefly, and we think about ourselves in 2019, what what does that all mean for us on this Christmas Eve? What the angels did that night reflects two important themes of the Christmas story. And here is the first one. Just as the angels came to the ordinary shepherds on the ordinary hills, Jesus comes to us in our ordinary world. Think about this. Jesus, who was God, lived among the human race for 33 years. He was God, but for the first time, God knew what it was like to be tired, to be hungry. He knew what it was like to experience what some of you have experienced. He knew what it felt like to be insulted, to be hurt and even abused. But there's something else here. I think not only does God come to us in our ordinary world, but I think he comes to us when we least expect it. Something else about the shepherds. You know, you remember a moment ago, I I told you that they couldn't go to the temple. I find it significant that, that even though they couldn't go to the place of worship where they could worship God, God came to them. He comes to us in our ordinariness. And he also comes to us when we can't get to him. You know, here at New Spring, we make a statement, and I hope it's always understood. We say that we hate religion, and the reason I say I hope it's understood, we don't mean by that that we hate the people in religion. We just hate the idea of a system that somehow if we operate within that system, we can manage to get to God. The truth of the matter is, I think we all know that deep down inside, we're so flawed and so broken that there's really nothing within us that can reach up to a holy God. And the story of Christmas is so beautiful. Just as the angels came to the ordinary hills, to the ordinary shepherds, and came to the shepherds when the shepherds couldn't get to God, God through Jesus comes to us when we can't get to heaven on our own. We've been talking about the angels and how that they came to celebrate the night that Jesus was born. I should tell you that there was another season in the life of Jesus when the angels were just waiting to rush to the earth, but this time they were held back. 33 years after Jesus was born, he, of course, after teaching and after performing miracles and after demonstrating the love of God in his ministry, became so hated by some of the powers that were. They were jealous of him that, well, they wanted to see him dead. But we also know, according to the word of God, that according to God's plan, it was necessary that Jesus die for our sins. And so that moment came where there was this crossroads of the hatred of mankind and the love of God came together at the cross of Jesus. And in that story, we read how that Jesus, well, he was spat upon, he was slapped, he was abused, 
He was whipped until he was unrecognizable as a human. They laid a cross on his back and bleeding and wounded, he carried that cross through the city of Jerusalem. And outside the city, he lay on the cross where they took nails and they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross and held him up and the cross jolted into place. And there for six hours, Jesus would die for our sins. Now, the reason why I mention angels at that moment is that at one point, one of the disciples, Peter, attempted to defend Jesus and sliced off the ear of one of the people who came to arrest him. And it was at that moment that Jesus said, surely you know I could ask my father and he would give me more than 12 armies of angels, but it must happen this way. I think at that moment about this, that at any part of that experience, Jesus could have said, it's enough. I'm through with this whole project. He could have aborted the whole mission and gone back to heaven and avoided the abuse, avoided the suffering of the cross. But it was at that moment that Jesus himself, as his arms were outstretched, held back the angels so that he could suffer and die and pay for my sins and your sins. Wow, what a story that God loved us so much, that Jesus came into our world, that he lived the life that you and I could not live. But because our sins had separated us from God, he hung on the cross when he could have been rescued and paid for every sin you and I would have ever committed. Wow. The angels celebrated the night he was born, but they were held back the day he died until he paid the price in full. You know what's beautiful is that the angels returned three days later because when Jesus arose from the grave, it was the angels who spoke to his followers and said, he's not here anymore, he is risen. Well, my prayer is that each and every one of us will think on this Christmas Eve about how much our God loves us and how Jesus died to pay for our sins. And if we have never invited him into our heart and life, I want to encourage you to think about that. You know, that night when the angels paraded before the shepherds, the Bible just says that when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. Well, when the angels came and sang, the shepherds responded. They said, let's go to Bethlehem makes us think of a song that we've sung through the years, a Christmas song that says, Oh, come, let us adore him.